Welcome to Insurance Uncovered, the first podcast to bring you insurance news and perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hello, everyone. I'm Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering social inflation. Namico President and CEO Tim Sullivan shares how societal changes have led to an increase in massive jury verdicts. Plus, automated vehicles, the renewed push to promote safety and accessibility. And the White House unveils its 2021 budget. How the Trump administration is prioritizing NAMIC-supported mitigation and building code efforts. A hearing last week by the House Consumer Protection Subcommittee showed many lawmakers remain enthusiastic about the potential for automated vehicles to reduce fatalities on the roads. But questions about safety and liability, which kept a similar effort from becoming law two years ago, are still top of mind for lawmakers. In one exchange between Missouri Congressman Billy Long and Alliance for Automotive Innovation President and CEO John Bozella, it was emphasized that states must maintain their traditional role for regulating traffic laws, licensing, and liability frameworks for automobiles. And I think this is really essential because the, uh, the getting the balance right between the important roles of state and local government and the important role of the federal government will either, if we get it right, will encourage innovation and will encourage more safety sooner. And, and the way to think about it is design, construction, and performance really should happen at the federal level because you don't want vehicles that are unable to move from one state to another state. What you do want is the design, the construction, and the performance to be developed once nationally uh, in a safe way uh, with regard to how NHTSA sees the world. With regard to state and local government, if a state and local government chooses to limit the operation of those vehicles to a certain time of day or to a certain region or to a certain uh, uh, traffic pattern, the, the state and local governments is okay to do that. In written comments submitted to the committee, NAMIC emphasized the critical role that the insurance industry must play in fostering the AV development process. Well, the Trump administration's 2021 budget is out and it includes a number of policies that would better protect the nation's homes and communities from severe disasters. The budget would create a FEMA grant program to review gaps in existing preparedness grant programs and award funding to address emerging natural hazards and evolving terrorism threats. The budget would also provide funding for the hiring of more subject matter experts, economists, and engineering staff necessary to successfully implement the NAMIC-supported Building Resilient Infrastructure and Communities program. NAMIC has been working to encourage FEMA to implement the new BRIC program, including creating guidance that details criteria states must meet in order to be eligible for the new funds. That guidance, which was originally supposed to be released in 2019, is set to be published later this year. More and more, companies are noticing an ominous trend. More nuclear verdicts, inflated settlement amounts, and concern that juries have become increasingly unpredictable. While social inflation was seen in the 1980s and 90s, something feels different this time. On today's Unscripted, our Chuck Chamness talks with Namico President and CEO Tim Sullivan about what's driving this trend and what insurers can do to withstand the effects of social inflation. 
My guest today on Insurance Unscripted is Namico President and CEO Tim Selvin. Tim is our second recurring guest. And Tim, welcome to the program today. Thank you, Chuck. Today, we're going to talk about social inflation. It is an issue that every member company CEO wants to talk about. They want to discuss what NAMIC's doing about this, this problem because uh, they're seeing it in their books of business. We'll start with a definition, and I, I've seen several, um, none of them perfect, but what we know is uh, companies are experiencing a higher frequency of severity, is the way I often hear it described. Um, and we know that its causes are many. We'll talk about it a little bit from the professional liability space where Tim works today. But you know whether it is um, more favorable legal environments for the trial bar, whether it is the increased uh, prevalence of litigation funding and lawsuit lending, or whether it's just something going on with juries and maybe a new generation of people on juries who have a different idea about the value of money. So. Tim, we'll talk about that today. Okay. Let me uh, begin with the story that I told at the convention in 2017. We have been talking about this for a while. We've covered it in our magazine, I think, in 2018. But it was a story of um, Namico's experience with you know, what we would consider a nuclear verdict. Uh, can you take us through that and, and, and maybe any lessons that, uh, that the Namic member listener can learn from that experience? Well, certainly. Briefly, we had a case that we didn't learn of until after the matter had gone to a jury verdict, where there was a plaintiff against one of the mutuals policyholders, a ranch operation. And the ranch operation graciously allowed the state's veterinary school to bring their students to the ranch to learn about inoculating cattle. And a public service, as it were. And one of these students had an appendage, her, her arm, her hand, caught between a calf and the side of the cattle chute. And apparently the practice was you put two calves side by side as opposed to when you do it with the cow, because the cow occupies the whole chute, the two cattle you put side by side, the calves. And when that happened, her hand was trapped. And, but she completed the day out, she completed veterinary school, she established a veterinary practice. Um, I remember there were like a couple <clears throat> of weeks, she had some treatment, yeah. there were no breaks, and um, um, she had some physical therapy. And, and went on with life, as near as everyone could tell. And then a few years later, suddenly she had what they deemed significant medical issues. Uh, the case went to trial and resulted in a multi-million dollar verdict, which was well in excess of the policy limits the Mutual had written for the ranch. And the company, the Mutual, had been given the opportunity to settle, but no one could see this as a case that a jury would hand a multi-million dollar verdict to. Uh, the, the plaintiff had a website promoting her veterinary practice in which she appeared to be a very, uh, well-established, you know, no real problems, looked appropriate for a um, veterinary practitioner. Uh, she apparently showed up to trial uh, using a walker, her hair very disheveled, no makeup, looking like almost, it was described to me almost as a street person, and eliciting, of course, a lot of jury sympathy. 
they had taken her website down and uh, so that no one could independently do some research and just resulted in a very large multi-million dollar verdict that was beyond the pale of what would be expected. And uh, So that, that is an example that got Namico's attention and that our members obviously uh, uh, experienced as well. What kind of trends, well first let me talk because again for considering our member companies, uh, how do you prevent something like that? I mean, what kind of advice are we giving companies today about uh, about these types of cases? Well, the advice runs uh, a range of advice. Uh, one is to be very careful with your claims, to think very carefully about how that claim is going to play out in front of a jury. When I do seminars on bad faith avoidance, uh, one of the tests I use is the mom test, I refer to it, which is the adjuster should explain their case to their mom or someone who loves them who's not part of the insurance industry and see what mom says about it. And if mom says you're going to lose, then you might want to think about settling it because mom is going to be more like the average juror than sitting talking among your fellow claims people. Juries are seldom packed with claims handlers and insurance underwriters. So that's one of the, at, at kind of a casual anecdotal level. At a more formal level, it's to be more aware of these trends uh, that you described at the beginning. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the changing nature of jurors and a little more sophistication on the part of uh, plaintiff lawyers as to a more psychological approach to dealing with juries. And uh, folks have probably heard of the reptile theory. And while that may be somewhat scientifically questionable, it is an indication of plaintiff lawyers attempting to put a little more science, a little more psychology into their approach to the juries. It also appears, and I, I've seen some studies about um, just younger people uh, having a different view of what's an appropriate jury uh, verdict or award. Um, I saw something about uh, a kind of a mock trial done with a baby boomer jury and then with a millennial jury and you know one came out with the millennials came out with six million compared to the baby boomer or something like a million five. Um, uh, whether it's kind of an anti-corporate America or stick it to the man, hard to say, but, but what um, what, what can we say about that? It doesn't seem to be something that's very easy to affect through the means that we, we have um, you know, at our disposal. I agree. I refer to that as the Kardashian effect. I think people who are younger, and I'm going to say the age cohort below the age of 40 probably, they're accustomed as they look at their phones and they're online or watch whatever shows they watch to seeing celebrities who have multi-million dollar valued jewels draped around their neck. They go out for a night at the ballpark or a night for dinner in the bar and they'll drop three quarters of a million dollars just out having a good time that night or their wedding will be worth you know twenty million dollars. If that's your frame of reference for what's an appropriate amount of money, suddenly giving somebody a million dollars is we're talking about covering a good night out at the bars. Hmm. And uh, well, I guess so. Yeah, 
that, that would be a very good night out at the bars for a bunch of baby boomers because we'd be all in bed by 10 o'clock. But, yeah. um, but it, it changes the frame of reference to what the value of a million dollars is. And I think that's a lot of the problem with this increased uh, frequency of severe claims, as you put it. We've also seen uh, something called Verdict Search uh, said there was a 300% rise in verdicts over $20 million in 2019 uh, as referenced or benchmarked against the annual average from 2001 to 2010. So 300% is a, of course, $20 million are, are you know, clearly in that nuclear range, but uh, but 300% rise um, shows that really there is something going on. I think the other uh, issue that uh, we are working on and we will continue to do more work on uh, this year and in the future is uh, litigation lending. Um, you know, it's a relatively recent phenomenon and it, um, it really does change the dynamic in terms of, uh, you know, the uh, insurance company claims legal process. To, to some extent, uh, I think more of that, the litigation lending, allows what might have been questionable claims to be maintained to go on and get some settlement. I'm not, I've not seen anything that correlates the litigation lending to the really large uh, verdicts. I think a lot of those really large verdicts are also coming out of product liability, the, uh, uh, the Roundup litigation. Roundup, talcum powder. Talcum powder. a few in the headlines. Things where... And, and I think that's also influencing other unrelated litigation where somebody reads about uh, hundreds of millions or a couple billion dollars being given to these folks who have developed cancer. And so when the jurors are sitting in their room and they see somebody who's been severely injured, that's in their mind that, you know, here's what other jurors are granting plaintiffs who have been similarly or perhaps not quite as severely injured uh, we talked about the plaintiff's counsel a little bit ago. The amazing thing to me about particularly the Roundup litigation is most of the science says there's absolutely no connection between the cancer and the product. But yet plaintiff's lawyers have succeeded in persuading juries that in fact there is, while the CDC and other scientists keep coming back and saying, no, there is no connection. That, to me, is a disconnect that I find very troublesome, that you can create liability out of thin air. Uh, and, and that, I don't know how to fight thin air. Junk science taken to an extreme. Well, one thing that uh, you can do, and I know that Namico does routinely, is you know, working with our member companies when they're preparing for a court case. Um, yes. Can you give us a few steps and, or tactics that we use there? Well, the biggest thing we do is we try and offer an ear to our policyholders when they know they have that big case coming up. Uh, we're not going to tell you what to do. We're going to act as a sounding board. We're, we're almost that focused test jury. Uh, we don't know the case. We do know the law generally. But let's talk about that claim, and let's see whether you've really covered the bases and thought about it. And we're in a, a more well, everyone's going to say, well, of course you're interested in that because you don't want an excess judgment that you have to pay as bad faith. We're more disinterested in that. We'd like to make sure that all the bases have been covered. One of the things I've seen as we've worked through some of these claims is some pretty unrealistic assessments by defense lawyers. 
And some of that, I think, is defense lawyers posturing with new clients, the, the mutuals, in order to secure future business. So they're telling them, oh, there's no way we're going to lose this, or this case is a lock. Any case that's going to a jury is not a lock. Uh, only bad things usually happen inside a courtroom when there's an insurance company involved. And all the jurors know there's insurance on the other side of this. That's not a surprise to anybody. So I, I think there's something about defense lawyers and perhaps even claims people who are trying to make a name for themselves, their companies, taking some iffy claims off to a jury that perhaps the baby boomers would have said, no, you want to settle that claim and be done with it. Well, Tim, thank you. This has been a uh, very interesting discussion, a little bit of insight into a problem that will not be going away soon. I would just uh, foreshadow some um, announcements NAMIC will be making later this year. Uh, we have uh, a major effort underway that's still at the planning stage, but we will be uh, rolling it out to member companies and their policyholder stakeholders because, you know, the, to the degree, and this is the beauty of the mutual insurance model, I mean, this is not just our member company's problem, this is our policyholder's problem. And uh, you know, the extent that this uh, continues to affect rates um, and there's an, kind of an asymmetrical return of uh, premiums to a certain group of lucky, in quotes, uh, policyholders, um, it's a problem we all need to deal with. And so trying to get to the root causes and continue to work on areas where we've been working for decades uh, around, you know, legal environment and uh, trying to improve legal environments, mostly in the state, but also at the federal level. And then fighting against both litigation lending and litigation funding, uh, two trends that are, uh, are we're seeing out in the marketplace as well. So I think we've started to uh, make a little progress on at least describing it, given some helpful uh, uh, tips to member companies who are dealing every day with some uh, challenging claims. And uh, I guess we'll say more to follow as we, as we proceed. Actually, we hope there's no more to follow but I, in terms of these verdicts. But yes, from the efforts of NAMIC, uh, looking forward to it. And in closing then, I would also recognize that today is your 25th anniversary with NAMICO, NAMIC Insurance Solutions. We had a little celebration today. And uh, so congratulations on that, Tim. Thank well, you. Thank you. It's been a great 25 years. There's not a better group of companies or people to work for and with in the mutual industry, and I've enjoyed all of it. Thanks again. Thank you. On the next Unscripted, Chuck talks with J.D. Power's David Pfeiffer about best practices for using customer feedback to improve and optimize the claims experience. As we celebrate NAMIC's 125th anniversary this year, we're taking a look back at the association's storied history. In today's Mutual Minute, Namico President and CEO Tim Sullivan once again joins us to read a passage from A Century of Commitment about the inaugural Mutual Insurance Week. In October 1924, the celebration of Mutual Insurance Week was considered a tremendous success. The 29th Annual Convention of Namic was part of this celebration, which also included the annual meetings of the Federation of Mutual Fire Insurance Companies the National Association of Mutual Casualty Companies, and the National Association of Automotive Mutuals. Total enrollment was 611 delegates and guests, probably the largest attendance at any convention to this point in time. 
Today, we recognize the important work our industry is doing in other ways. Just last year, NAMIC worked with legislators to establish Resiliency Week in 17 states across the country to promote pre-disaster mitigation. Listen for more Mutual Minutes in the weeks ahead on our journey to historic Boston for NAMIC's 125th Annual Convention. And that's a wrap for this episode of Insurance Uncovered. We'll be back again on March 4th with more insurance news and interviews. Remember, if you have a topic or issue you'd like us to uncover, don't hesitate to let us know. You can always send us an email at uncovered at Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a wonderful day.